Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjo Gall. Hello and welcome to CTN. To learn more about the show, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And today's topic is Leadership for All, Breakthrough or Breakdown. So when we are trying to uh, call some people as leaders, we typically think people sitting at the top in an ivory tower and trying to drive the whole organization. But then there is also a school of thought that why should that be a privilege only for the people at the top? Why can't people at all levels uh, be exuding leadership traits and or practicing leadership? Well, that has its appeal. But then what it could also do, in fact, by doing so, it could also help us have maybe quicker decision making, maybe a more adaptable team, maybe more intrinsically motivated people. So all that is great. However, now let's look at some of the issues that people could face with that. So if you were to get started with this whole idea about due diligence on leadership at all levels, you could have a lot of different leaders coming up with a lot of same or repetitive thoughts and ideas, which you will have to sift through. Then people at, say, different levels have different, you know, uh, connotation or interpretation of leadership. So if you are leading a project or coordinating a team or you're working as a software developer, I mean, everyone could think about leadership somewhat differently. So how do you come up with that common definition or can you potentially come up with a common definition and then talk about decision making? If everyone is a leader, everybody feels empowered. And if you're trying to get to a decision making, you could have a lot of conflicts and clashes. Well, all of that also depends on the fact that everyone who comes in your organization may not always have those natural talent. Maybe they do, but but we're not sure yet about if everyone is cut out to be able to or wanting to lead. So there would be finally a, a situation where some of the traditional companies, which are say 100 year old or even 20 years old, or the people at the top might not like this idea about everybody being a leader. So with all of this said, how do you, first of all, keeping that uh, evangelist's hat that, yes, we should try to promote leadership for all concept. How do you crack this problem and actually make it happen? Because there are, of course, obvious benefits. So to discuss this, I have Ravneet Chadha who is the Associate Vice President and Chief Data Officer with the University of Arizona. Hey, Ravneet, how are you? I'm doing good, Sanjog. Thank you for having me here. Absolutely. Pleasure is all mine. So as you see, this is not run-of-the-mill topic. While the concept is not new, but we are not here to tell about what the 20 challenges, while I did list them out, but we are not here to discuss just the challenges but to kind of wear a solutions hat, right? So how do we crack this problem? Because of course, if we can make this happen, this will be so awesome. Now, to start, let's set the stage. Well, I gave a few uh, situations or a few challenges people could have, but on the ground, since you've been leading the charge at your organization, what do you see is the biggest hurdle for an organization which is looking to get into this mode of decentralized or everybody becoming a leader? So I think one of the biggest things on 
decentralized leadership for me is the cultural shift, right? It's shifting from the traditional hierarchical structure to a decentralized one requires a big cultural transformation. It's one of those things that in IT we say change management, right? From a leadership perspective, I think about it as a cultural transformation. This could include in changing mindsets of, you know, values and behaviors at all levels. It can't just be at the top level or the bottom level or the mid level. You have to build up that cultural mindset top to bottom. You know, many employees are accustomed to basically a clear top-down direction, but they might resist the idea of taking on more autonomy and responsibility. Whereas, you know, leaders accustomed to centralized decision-making may also struggle to let go of control, right? Because you got to think about it a little differently. Like you are actually empowering others at different levels. And I think that is one of those things that I feel becomes the biggest hurdle. Now, there are other things that you can tie into that when it comes down to, you know, uh, talent and skills. That is going to be a big piece as well, because from a decentralized leadership perspective, you require employees to possess a a broader skill set in, that includes decision making, right? Because individuals that might be, let's say, young career professionals or might be considered you know, mid-level to lower level uh, in terms of the leadership hierarchy, for those, they need to have the decision-making, problem-solving, and interpersonal skills that are something that individuals build with experience. And I think that is something that is critical on that front. Now, there's a big communication and coordination piece, right? You know, in a decentralized structure, communication, it becomes more complex. Teams and individuals need to collaborate I would say effectively without constant uh, oversight by somebody at the top level, right? And I think that is something that becomes critical because information needs to flow freely. Decisions need to be like transparent, like anything. Uh, and, you know, the cohesive work environment has to be established. Now, there are other things that, you know, if I go back to talent and skills, we got to build that leadership development. We got to manage our performances and be able to measure them as well, right? With the KPIs and developing new metrics that capture the effectiveness of the decentralized teams and leadership. And I think that can be a challenging part to decentralize leadership on my, from my perspective. Now, you know, I like the way you've responded and deconstructed and looked at the different areas. But if I were to take a step back and say the word leadership sometimes could be misconstrued as management or misconstrued as a specialized skill set which you go and execute on. However, if I were to take the the traditional or rather very well understood and recognized uh, definition is it's more like a mindset and your ability to create influence with wherever you are. So just because a person is being called a leader or being requested to exude leadership behavior, that doesn't mean that suddenly overnight they will get the experience they want. But then for them to start developing in that area by taking that leadership position, they at least will try. And just because they are trying, they're intrinsically motivated. And that's what exactly we are looking for is that people take leadership versus thinking or rather expecting other people to tell them what to do. That means they are just trying to be cog in the wheel where they otherwise have a lot better potential. So do you think leadership is understood even people at the top for people for for them to start looking at 
everyone at every level and at least giving them an opportunity and not try to create too many expectations up front. And don't kind of pigeonhole to them, okay, he's a programmer, so he used to be just a better programmer, but if he wants to, he or she wants to show good initiative or intrinsic motivation, then that's discounted. You know, from my perspective, I feel leadership is one of those things that everyone will form a different definition that suits their uh, personal motivation. Uh, The reason I say that is for a lot of people, individuals, who are in leadership positions, they are like, this is my portfolio. I've been given the responsibility of this. I'm leading this. So that's why I'm a leader, right? A lot of folks will say, you know, I have responsibility of these 20 individuals. So it is my responsibility to make sure that I do good by them and hence they'll do good by my team. And, you know, I make them look good. They make me look good. And that is leadership. To me, leadership is one of those things that, Sometimes it comes from within, but it is also a talent that over time you can build. It starts with empathy. you got to be in a place where you are focusing on leading individuals, leading projects, leading organizations, and thinking about it. Like you have to be self-motivated. You can't be waiting for somebody to hold, you know, hold your hands throughout the process or throughout the projects. You're expecting guidance. And this is not necessarily any level questions. You have individuals who might not have leadership roles, but they show leadership prom- uh, promise from that standpoint that they are saying, you know what, this is what my role is, but I can do this. I don't have to have a title of some director or something like that to be a mentor to somebody. You know, I can be, in my world, I'll say I can be a data analyst, but if my unit hires somebody new, I can be a mentor to them. To me, that is leadership. That is coming from a place that you are empowering others to do the right thing and to be part of an organization and support it. And it doesn't have to be tied to titles. Yes, titles do help because then you can, you know, there's a little bit more weightage to what you're saying. But I don't think that to excuse exclude uh leadership you don't necessarily have to show you have you don't necessarily have to have the titles i agree with you now when you use the word leading a project essentially they are replacing conveniently management or managing a project to lead a project the word lead has a very specific connotation because there you're leading people within that you're leading the outcome or you're taking ownership not just responsibility ownership of what happens and not just the result, but what happens during the journey as all people who are in that journey are also supposed to grow as part of you delivering that outcome, working all together with them. That's leadership. Just getting a project plan in place and getting that done at whatever cost or trampling on anybody's head, that's not leadership. So are we able to, at our organizational level, start showing signs that we are building that maturity? I think we are. I think there is, you know, what I don't know if the concept of vivid vision is very familiar with a lot of folks. Right. But this is something that I feel is super critical in an organization like mine. I will say I've used that where basically what what vivid vision does is the top level or the individual leading the team uh, comes up. This is the vision that I have for the unit. You know, and that could incorporate 
the unit's growth, the individuals in there, uh, their growth, uh, the product and technology stack, whatever else, whatever the responsibilities of a particular unit are, you set a vivid vision. And then you empower the staff members that are in there to help bring that vision to light. They are basically the ones who are doing the work on day-to-day basis, but they know that we have been empowered and we have been supported by our top level to do the work from that standpoint that this is what our deliverables are. And I think that that helps them not just necessarily manage the projects, because I think managing you hit right on the nail, basically, it is what it, from a management standpoint, a lot of people can manage it. You have project managers who can do it, and they know about the projects, but doing, managing, and leading are one of those things that people need to balance it out, and I think once you're in a leadership role, you are thinking 90% of the time from how can I be a leader, and only maybe 10% of the time is my management of the unit or the things that I'm leading is going okay. So from that standpoint, I go back into the concept of like, okay, vivid vision. I'm going to share. This is what's needed. People come together. Now they show their leadership in actually leading and making that vivid vision come to life through their work and their teams and everything else. So I think that gives an opportunity to individuals to grow as leaders in their own capacity. Now, with what you've said, uh, you could establish what you uh, are suggesting in organization and perhaps that will make a dent. But then what I'm proposing here or what we together are trying to discuss uh, as leadership with all, what is your confidence level or have you seen this successfully implemented for us to have some lessons learned from it? Maybe at a smaller level, maybe at not an organization level, maybe at a group level. I think I have seen it. Uh, a couple of examples that I can give is, you know, not going in too much detail of what exactly it was, but, you know, in the field that I'm in, we have like daily projects that come in tied to data work where somebody is looking for, you know, a product and we're like, okay, we're going to make this happen. But it is very like, you know, when you get a request or when you get an ask from leadership and like, can I get this? That is a request that's coming in. After that point, it's your responsibility. Your leadership has to come into play to guide your team and say, we got to look at all of these aspects, right? So you're pushing it from the agenda of now we have to take the lead on this particular project from a leadership standpoint that you are the expert in this field, the request has been made from that standpoint. Now you are guiding and delivering based on your expertise, right? You're not necessarily doing the programming work, right? You know, you said if you're a programmer and you just become a lead programmer from that standpoint, we're not talking about that, right? There's something that you can do to bring, you know, take your product and go take it to market. But after that, you got to think about all of these aspects about like, is it going to be successful or not? Like that is your responsibility as well. I feel that that's how you show leadership as well. Like going out and beyond of what was just assigned to you to kind of bring different aspects into the picture and say, you know what? If we did it this way, it was going to be 
you know, better or we would be able to sell more products or do things differently. So I, I think there are definitely places that I have seen that happen. But again, you need to have a lot of leadership alignment and communication to make those pieces happen. And you have to have this empowerment and empathy towards everyone included in the project. Now, if you just had empathy, would that cut it? If you were to think about any success like you just mentioned, would you have some learnings, good or constructive learnings, which would tell you that, okay, if we can apply those, we can scale this and maybe take it organizational wide? Yeah, so I would say leadership alignment is big, right? You know, in a big organization, you have multiple individuals who are in a leadership position. Having those leaders be aligned is critical to me because individuals that are reporting to those leaders are looking up to them. And if they see that they are not aligned, the individuals reporting to them, it will be very hard for them to be aligned. And I don't think that sets the right example. Communication, that is a key part, right? Employee involvement, you have to keep your employees involved if you want to have that sort of a success at decentralized leadership. You know, the other part that a lot of times goes amiss in a lot of organizations I've seen is not talking and sharing and clarifying your vision and values for the unit. I think that is critical as well because individuals need to know what your unit stands for, right? And then there are other things, right? Training and development. That is absolutely something that is need to be invested in to equip employees with skills and knowledge they need to take on increased responsibility, right? Also, one other part that I will say that would help is if you start small. Use pilot projects as a starting point. Launch a pilot project or a team that operate under this more decentralized model. These can serve as, you know, think about like a test bed for the uh, leadership approach, allowing people to learn from successes and challenges on the similar scale. You know, these are all the things. And another part that I'll say that goes amiss a little bit is on the leadership front, whichever model you believe in, is the fact that people sometimes lose the tendency to listen. The feedback loops for leadership are absolutely critical. You know, if you establish regular feedback mechanisms to gather insights from employees and teams about their experiences with new leadership approach, you know, this is super helpful. On feedback loop, if I may give a couple of examples here, uh, at the university, I started doing coffee with the CDO once a month. What this is, it's an opportunity for individuals at any level on campus to come in and meet with me to discuss, you know, work-related stuff, data-related needs, anything of that sort, or if they just want to have a coffee and get to know who the CDO is and want to know what's on my pipeline, what the team is working on. So that is something that we have done. To be, It's basically a way to get to know somebody, but also there's this feedback loop that has been set up, right? Then if people ask the question, we can work it out, and then people know somebody's approachable. A lot of times what happens is leaders, people think that leaders are unapproachable because of their fancy titles. 
I think we have to kind of break that down that say, oh, you know what, we're still part of the same enterprise. Uh, another example that I'll give, that is for more for external clients. One of the things that I do and my leadership team does is just based on this feedback loop, we have office hours for our internal staff members. So anyone from the team, whether they are on my data engineering team or if they are on the systems architecture or student, whatever, CX, all of the team leads have office hours. Anyone can go to anyone's office hour. If they have questions about work, they can do that. Or if they want to just know about who this lead is, especially it helps when you have new staff coming in and we work in a field that has constant turnover. So from that standpoint, people are just coming and meeting and knowing who these individuals are. I think that feedback loop, you learn from everyone. Leaders can learn and should learn from all aspects of their uh, enterprise and all different levels. And I think having a feedback loop is something that definitely helps. With what you just said, uh, it is good to start. Now, there may be some companies who might have issues, but say, say you worked in a company where the larger culture is hesitant. But you want to start within a subgroup, as you said, right? The people who are a little more charged up. Yes. What would be some of the things you would say or do to prime them? Because it's not just about starting. You have to see it at least all the way through to create so-called a poster child for you to take back to the rest of the organization and help them also adopt the same, right? So that means the foundational work is important. So when there is a current culture, mm-hmm. the fabric of the organization current may not support it or would be hesitant. How would you start in those cases? What would be some of the first steps? I think the very first step from my perspective would be setting up an absolute transparency between the employees, the leadership at all levels, basically talking about, you know, this is why we need to have this, right? Actually show them the positives of setting up a decentralized leadership process, being able to sell that to the team. Because in the end, I I don't think that any sort of leader or leadership uh, methodologies or models can be successful if people don't buy into it. So one of the reasons you can, or one of the ways that you can sell it to them is by being very honest about this is what we're trying to do and say, you know, we are new to this. We are going to start small. We are going to improve through continuous and different iterations of this process, right? Continuously assessing and refining the approach. And to do that, we need feedback from everyone in the organization And that's why we need them on board. We are going to look at the outcomes to only enhance our leadership journey throughout the organization. Also mentioning that it is not my idea. One of the things that I believe and I always tell to my staff members is either you convince me or give me an opportunity to convince you, right? What that entails is basically just having a conversation. Bring your ideas. You know, one of the things that I'll say, uh, somebody I follow, they've said, you know, diversity is the backbone of innovation, right? When we talk about 
diversity these days, a lot of the things come and stop with the way we look. When we are talking about diversity, we're not talking about, you know, how people look. Yes, that diversity is critical, but the diversity that I'm talking about is diversity in the mindset, diversity in uh, the backgrounds and where people come from. Because I think if we are all the same, we all have the same skills, we all have, you know, same backgrounds, guess what? We are going to all have the same blind spots as well. So then at that point, who's covering for who? Organizations that run for better are the ones that one can one individual can cover the blind spot for somebody else, right? So from that standpoint, helping our staff understand and helping them remember that democratization of leadership is not an all or nothing transformation. It is a gradual journey that evolves over time, starting with clear vision and values will only ensure that our organization has a solid foundation on which everyone has to come together to build and adapt as we progress towards a more inclusive and participatory leadership model. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And uh, Ravneet, when we come back, I'd like to fundamentally see if the traditional leadership, which has been uh, used to run organizations, governments, entities, you name it, and they've seen some success in it. And here two of us are trying to passionately discuss the potential of making this decentralized, making it everyone is a leader as the new mantra. I'd like for you to share your candid views on how do you see, if at all you see, this transition happening where traditional leadership transforms or we will have to eventually live with a bunch of skeptics who have run this and say, why, why break, why, why fix something which is not broken so they will not move? Or they would be heavily skeptical. So 20 years down, you and I speaking again on a show like this, we are still talking about the possibilities versus saying, Hey, this is the mainstream now. Traditional leadership is a thing of the past. What's your thought? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjog Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Rabdeet, you know traditional leadership is what we live with today, and we are championing and evangelizing this decentralized participatory or everyone is a leader model. Do you see a future of this becoming the mainstream and traditional leadership is a thing of the past? I 
again, I would go back to what I had said uh, earlier in terms of everyone, everyone who's a leader or who's trying to be a leader will have their own definition. I do believe that over time, there are going to be a lot more individuals who are who buy into the decentralized leadership, but it is going to be very hard for decentralized leadership to basically take over completely from traditional, right? Because human nature says we are, you know, we want to stay in our comfort zones. If something has worked for somebody, they will continue to be in that particular, uh, they'll continue to do the same things. So I think it will be hard for decentralized leadership to take over, but I do think that there is a possibility of building hybrid models. What I mean by that is, you know, you can have hierarchical leadership established, but while you're empowering all different levels a little bit as well, right? Somebody might say, you know what, decentralized works well for me, but there is a room for me to also establish a little bit of the hierarchy piece because some decision-making is uh, missing out on or we're not getting everything that we need because of the way decentralization works, right? So from my perspective, I would say in the future years, I totally see decentralized leadership taking a big chunk of the leadership market from a, you know, from a modeling standpoint, but I think there is going to be an opportunity for people to actually understand it. I think people would be more open to learning about decentralized leadership rather than just say, you know what, it doesn't work. Traditional is the only way that we're going to do it. You know, there are books written on both. There are books sharing pros and cons of both. I think one of the biggest, uh, I would say, things that a leader can learn from something is learning from other experiences, learning from different individuals, readings, whatever, you know, whatever motivates you uh, and whatever you use to get the knowledge from. I think that is a critical piece for any leader to understand that this is where I'm coming from, but I'm going to go through and check out all of these different experiences that have been shared in podcasts, in different interviews, and pick the pros from all of them and see if these are the ones that fit for my institution the best way. Now, if we went with that direction or, or with that hope that we have, we still have to crack some of the problems which I had mentioned in the introductory uh, statement I made about this whole topic and how the challenges could potentially be existing. So let's take the first one. When you got multiple people, who assume the leadership role, that means they will bring their own views. They will try to not exude confidence and influence, which is a good thing, but they could also bring very different radical points of view because you allowed them to lead, which means they should innovate, they should have creative thinking, etc. But when you got way too many people, how would you have those you know, free-flowing ideas to converge into still ensuring that the strategic direction of where we want to head as an organization is preserved. So one of the things that I'll say when you have, you know, multiple individuals in those roles is, you know, you start with 
fostering self-awareness. What I mean by that is helping individuals understand their own strengths, values, and passion, right? Because what happens is it becomes, uh, you know, one of the things that I believe for some reason leaders get over time is some sense of like ego in the sense of, I don't say it in a negative way, but I say it more from a perspective of this is what my responsibility is. So I'm the best to do that. And this is what I'm going to continue to do. But I think listening to other folks and doing that and also understanding what I am good at, right? What I'm not good at, right? Just if you're a leader, if you're leading something doesn't mean that you have to be the best at everything that that office or that unit has to offer, right? So from my perspective, starting with fostering self-awareness, encouraging self-reflection and assessments uh, to help, you know, identify areas where they excel and where they have room to grow. I think that would help individuals. And then how do you grow? You talk to individuals who have, you know, their strengths in the area that you have to grow in. I think that's that harbors good relationships, that harbors, I would say, a lot more cohesiveness, team building. And also what I said earlier about leadership, one of the toughest and the most important qualities of a leader is to be able to listen. Then having a clear set of expectations, defining responsibilities and expectations with the associated leadership roles. You know, this can eliminate uh, uncertainty and provides a roadmap for each and every of those roles. That's one of the things. And the other part is setting up in a way that you provide mentorship and role models, like connecting individuals with mentors or role models who can then share their leadership experience and or offer guidance and serve to some individuals as a source of inspiration. Because, you know, again, if a leader couldn't inspire somebody to do something, is are they really a leader? I mean, that's a question that I think we should ask ourselves as leaders. Are you inspiring somebody to do something or are they just doing it because they have to? And again, you know, what I said earlier about starting it small, you know, take a small project, encourage individuals to take leadership responsibilities like gradually. This might involve like, you know, again, a small project to just build that confidence. Again, that everything that we're talking about, you know, if you have confidence in where you are from the self-reflection and self-awareness standpoint, you will be more adaptable to actually sharing and allowing people to give you feedback as well. And when you are trying to do uh, what we just discussed here, at the same time, do you think when we are all working towards the same direction, how do we prevent the leakage that happens, right? Or at least minimize, because everyone is going to try to come together and yes, they will provide uh, their own viewpoint, but then they will also, before providing a viewpoint, they would want to do uh, some sort of research, some sort of analysis, which means... 50 people doing the job of one or two people. So I want to eat the cake and have it too, essentially, right? You want everyone to come in, but at the same time, reduce or minimize redundancies and at the same time, maintain that strategic direction. Is that possible? I think it is. I think, and that's where you got to start small. So everyone, again, assigning the roles the best possible way, right? Uh, The other part that on, on that, how I use it is to actually 
think about how you will recognize and celebrate the success that will come out of this as well, right? So if people know that that's something that is going to happen, that my work is going to get celebrated and my achievements are going to be recognized, you can build it out in a way that people are going to be more open to the fact that, okay, this was my role. This is what I was supposed to do on this particular piece. The leakage piece that you talk about is absolutely something that's going to happen, but that comes with trust, right? You have to build trust, you know, empowering, you know, leaders, giving them autonomy and trusting them to make the decisions, right? And again, this will take time. Not everyone's going to have that particular piece because I'll say human nature again says, you know, if somebody else starts doing my work, am I going to have my job in the next six months? Well, that's not really a good mindset to have if you're building that trusting environment in the office, right? Individuals come together to support each other and not to, you know, negate the values of what the other individuals are bringing in. And I think that is where sharing the success stories and growth stories and encouraging continuous learning, promoting that mindset within individuals that, Leadership is a journey that is continuous and needs a lot of improvement and emphasizing that it's normal to have doubts and that they can be overcome through learning and experience. So I think that's one of those things that we will have to build together as a team so we know where everyone stands from roles and responsibilities, from self-awareness to celebrating the successes. And then, again, uh, what I said before the break around the feedback loop, again, that is immensely important to make sure that we provide a constructive feedback loop to our partners, our uh, members of the team, to make sure that everyone's doing the right thing. And then the other part is you always have a leader, right? So leaders should lead by example, you know, demonstrate your behaviors by leading with humility and empathy, transparency. And that is something that you can inspire and serve as model for others. Now, if we looked at the particular way you approached it and you wanted to preserve it. So, so some of the ideas that you mentioned are spot on, so they could be utilized and then we also are able to get some outcome that we were all all thinking. But then when you, at the, at the first level, when we said, you know, leadership could mean different things to different people, the quality of the output, the biases people may have, their capabilities, not the intent, but capabilities that we have. How can we, without uh, having any prejudice, get all of that input that is coming from very motivated or rather intrinsically motivated people because they want to contribute, get us to the absolute best results. How would you, it's almost be becoming uh, a large language model where anyone who says something, it is in an unbiased manner trying to interpret and give it due credit and move on without the prejudice. Oh, this person is only two years experience. I'm not sure the person, what were they saying? can be taken at that level of credibility as someone who has 30 years experience. So I think, you know, the very last piece that you mentioned here, you know, somebody who is newer to a field versus somebody who has 30 years of experience, you know, ideas for me, they don't come with a resume. 
right? Again, if I am new to the field and I share something, it might be, there's a reason why a lot of leaders at times would say, you know what, I want a new set of eyes on the team or my unit, or that's why you have all these consulting firms who come in and do an evaluation of how you're running the unit, right? Because you want a fresh set of eyes, even though the consulting firm might only have few years of experience in the field that you are in, but everyone added in into your unit, you might have hundreds of years of experience in that field. I think sometimes listening to somebody who is brand new will provide more guidance and more help to an initiative than actually having somebody who has 30, 40, 50, whatever years of experience. And I think from that standpoint, what I will say is, you know, collecting the ideas. There is no harm in collecting the ideas, but then not just picking which makes the most sense to the leader. I don't think that is a leadership quality. The leadership quality, according to me, would be if you did a survey and you collected all of this feedback, you get a group together to evaluate all of the feedback instead of picking that this is the best feedback that I like, so I'm going to use this. No, you bring all individuals together to put all of the feedback in a pool and say, instead of all of these 10 being all great, but I have to pick one. Can you pick three or four and build a hybrid model that suits your needs? But also not disregarding the other opinions or other uh, ideas that have been flown, thrown out is the reason why tomorrow you might face another question, dilemma, or an issue that the ideas that have been shared. So I'm a, a big on this a repository of ideas that can stay in a place where sometimes if you face face a problem, you can go like, oh, somebody had suggested this idea back in the day. Can I go back and look at that, right? Promoting inclusivity, right? Bring Keeping bringing people together. Because I think one of the challenges from an employee standpoint is, well, you asked for my opinion, but you'll never take it. So I'm going to stop giving the opinion, right? And that is, again, People don't like that part, but as a leader, I believe you. Sh- if somebody gives an idea, you should reach out and say, hey, that is a great idea, but I'm not sure if that is the right time for us to do this, and here's why. If you do that part, I think the other individual is more likely to understand where you're coming from instead of just disregarding the idea and not worrying about it. So I think making sure that people trust the process and are are feeling inclusive to the entire team is super critical for us to make sure that nobody is feeling left out regardless of how many years of experience they have. It's a team exercise and experience shouldn't be brought into play based on the ideas. Because again, like I said, I'll leave it with that, that ideas don't come with resumes, people do. Now, that's a great point that you're making. So with that as the approach that you're suggesting, we have had, even with traditional leadership model, we have had tough time within organization in terms of institutionalizing 
the knowledge, the understanding, and keeping and leveraging it for subsequent decision-making, training, or grooming people. But when you have got everyone throwing things at us, and that is at a totally different level because everyone is exuding leadership, and there would be many ideas which you can implement right away or some you have to put in the back burner, and then in the process of getting these people to help put bring things to reality, there'll be a whole lot of knowledge that will be uncovered. Do you think there is a way to capture and harness this knowledge on a regular basis so that we become a force to reckon with as an organization? I think, it, again, I might be repeating myself here, but I think the pieces that need to happen are things, you know, listen, like listening to people, like fostering an environment of where people come together and talk about certain things and make sure that individuals have bought into the whole plan of leadership. Again, a leader cannot be successful without support from the team. And I think from my perspective, the team has to know that. Like the team has to know this particular piece around, look, for me to be successful, my leader has to do X, Y, and Z. He has to go out or they have to go out and promote the work that I'm doing, right? Shining the spotlight on the work that I'm doing and the team is doing. So that means that my I have to do the best to make my team and my leaders look good. I will say this part, I've all, any job that I've gone into, I've always had, you know, three things in mind. I always say, I want to make myself look good. I want to make my boss look good. And I want to make my team unit look good. Right. And if you think about it, to me, that's the place where I, whenever I'm doing something, I think about it. Right. Is it going to make me look good, which entails my department looking good, which entails my supervisor, my boss, my leader looking good. I think from my mindset, that piece works for me. Now, for some people, it might not work because, you know, if I when I share this with somebody, people say like, well, you're thinking about making yourself look good. But I cannot personally think that you can make a unit or your leader look good without you looking good, right? So I think they're all, there's a big correlation and causality in this where you're saying, you know what, you do your best to promote and do the work the best possible way you do and rest of the things will fall in place. And I think that that's where I would say like from a leadership standpoint, from the get-go, we got to have the open feedback loop, pushing it throughout people that, you know, we are here to support each other. Sometimes leadership will have to make decisions that not Everyone's going to be, you know, buy into, which is okay. But we are also going to share why we are doing some of these things. And I think that just making a decision and moving on doesn't necessarily get the buy-in. But if you share why we had to do certain things, which, again, I understand in a big organization, that becomes hard. But I think if we start with, you know, small and say, you know what, this is why we're doing it, and this is what is going to help our enterprise to work better, 
I think people, there's a lot more tendency in people to buying into something when they feel connected with it rather than just say X and Y, X, Y, Z is happening right now. And, you know, the very premise is that everybody should come on board as a leader, but we also discussed about many people will not sign up for that or they don't feel inherently, they might be excited about the possibility, but at the same time, they could also feel unsure if they truly have those chops. So how would you help these people gain that confidence or at least gain, get that initial spark to at least give it a shot? Because you want that for your larger plan to succeed. So I think having clear decision-making frameworks, I think accountability structures, transparency, information sharing, like again, all of these things are going to be something that is critical for us to do that and in you know pushing people from a standpoint of like some people are not really sure about their leadership roles right like okay can i be this can i not be this is this for me right and a lot of times people become leaders or are put in leadership positions because that is the only way to grow uh from a professional standpoint and it is not for everyone. Everyone doesn't want to do it, but sometimes people feel forced into it, right? When I say forced into it, it's because of the fact that that is the only way for their career advancement to do that, right? So in that case, offering mentorship and support, you know, again, excuse me, provide creating a safe learning opportunities for these individuals, give these individuals chance to lead small projects and teams in a low-risk environment, build their confidence, right? Offering training programs, workshop resources to equip these individuals with the skills and knowledge that they need from a leadership standpoint and creating like specific programs that would be tailored to these individuals because everyone has a different leadership journey. Everyone will have a different leadership aspect that they're bringing to the table but enhancing the ones that they are already showing but also helping the helping them build the ones that they already self-assess that they need some growth and learning on so one final question for you here if you had to put a playbook in place for starting this what would be the checks and balances so that uh, while it's a new thing, it's tried to a limited degree, but not with that core intent that you want to democratize leadership. What would be the kind of guardrails you would put for this to be successful? So being a data guy myself, uh, it would be, it would behoove me if I didn't mention data today. Uh, one thing that I'll say here is, you know, do a little bit more on the data-driven, data-informed decision-making. What I mean by that is promoting a culture that uses data for some of the decision-making, encouraging leaders to base their decisions on relevant data and evidence rather than personal biases and anecdotal information, right? That is something that is critical, but also helps create transparency and also helps people buy into the programs, alignment with leadership values, ensuring that all leadership decisions align with organizational core value and mission. So things that I've already touched on, leaders should 
be evaluated not only on the outcomes, but also, you know, their adherence to these values. Again, reporting or regular reporting and updates, you know, require the leaders to provide regular updates on their activities, decisions, progress towards goal. One thing that comes with leadership is uh, conflicts. If leadership didn't come with conflicts, I, I would, I highly be suspect of what's happening there. So I think that we need to create some, uh, conflict resolution mechanisms, you know, developing effective conflict mechanism to address disputes, disagreements that may arise in a decentralized leadership structure. These mechanisms, you know, have to be fair, impartial, accessible to all employees. So again, continuous feedback. You know, and then understanding that leadership is a journey. It's not about the destination. It's, you know, you can't just become a leader tomorrow. And even if you do become a leader tomorrow, you still have room to improve. There is a continuous improvement on this journey, you know, regularly reviewing and refining the checks and balances in place. Everything that we've talked about, maybe creating decisions review boards or committees that can help make sure that everything is aligning from a strategic objective perspective, having peer reviews, having somebody else come in and look at it from a fresh set of eyes to provide the guidance on that front to help one another make the best of decisions. And again, in the end, holding everyone who's part of the journey accountable, right? It is something that if we can build out the accountability structure that says, you know, we are going to set up this mechanism to hold leaders at all levels responsible for their decisions and actions, right? Which is really hard, but accountability can be enforced through regular reporting, performance evals and feedback loops and all of these things. It's not necessarily, you know, when we talk about accountability, a lot of times people think about like, oh, that's a way to kind of put, get somebody in trouble. No, I think about it as from a perspective of it is an opportunity to, for you to give feedback and help others who are part of this one big family, your enterprise, your institution, an opportunity to even be better at what they're currently doing. Once again, thank you so much, Ravneet, for sharing your thoughts on this uh, ambitious project or a good initiative, if you can make this happen, which is to establish leadership for all. And what could be done if that was put in place, how much value it can create. But your points were spot on. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And listeners, please connect with us in social media. Subscribe to our podcast. Once again, thank you for listening to CTN. This is your host, Sanjog All. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.